Welcome everyone to Fandoms, Culture, and Perhaps a Few Murders, where we discuss exactly that, fandoms, culture, and perhaps a few murders. I am your host, Feline, and with me as always is Al. Hey, y'all. And of course, Spade. How are you guys doing? Everyone loves a good mystery, wouldn't you say? Mysteries entice our curiosity. It drums up our thoughts. We want to know what happened, how it happened, why it happened. The need to know the answers to events drives to learn more, read more, get all the facts, while the following mysteries will not be providing any closure, as our topic today is cases of deaths that remain unexplained. And with that, take it away, Al. My first one is Princess Yongtai. Now I want to emphasize princess, born Li Xiangyu. Li is the seventh daughter of Emperor Zhang Zong of Tang and the second daughter of Empress Wei. She married Wu Xiangji, Prince of Wei, a grandnephew of Wu Jingxian. The cause of death for her is widely disputed. One report states that Wu Jixian, who was disposed after Zhang Zhang, after a brief reign, heard of remarks that Li supposedly made and had her flogged to death, or alternatively, was made to hang herself. So literally, as a princess, because she was talking shit about the high life, they decided to kill her. Alternately, her husband and her elder brother were also executed. It was reported that Li, her husband, and her brother were heard laughing over part of their court life they found absurd. This was reported to the empress who was paranoid and saw the threat of her position and reign everywhere. It was said that knowing they were to be executed, Li, her husband, and her brother saw suicide as the better option. She was originally written to have suffered a traitor's death, though this was untrue and merely what the empress ordered to be recorded. In contrast, the epitaph from her tomb states that she died in childbirth. After Wu Zexian's death, when her father again came to throne, she and her brother were reburied in grand tombs in the Xiangling Mausoleum in 705. I just think that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> She's a princess. She was talking shit about her high life, and her mother was like, no, fuck this bitch. She needs to go. She's going to be a threat to me because she doesn't like her how her high life is living don't make no damn sense but back then every shadow had a bad guy in it i guess yeah i was gonna say like it's like legit her mother <laughs> not like a stepmother or a mistress or uh what do they call them not courtesan but i get what you're saying like like a um like any of the the harem that he might have had yeah i mean that's... like literally her mother yes oh my god that's so crazy right i as a parent could not sit there and contemplate killing my child because she was talking shit about how she's living. I might talk to her about it a list of him, but you don't know how good you got it. <laughs> it compares it to the rest of the world, especially at the time. And it, it's mind-boggling to me. Your own mother is like, nah, this bitch don't like how she's living? Well, I can take that from you. It's like the highlight of the, I can bring you into this world. I can take you out. Exactly. It's that exact same <laughs> mind frame. I don't know. But like you said, especially in like times like that, it seems like, royalty it really was cutthroat like you had to make sure so any similar. threat was squashed because anyone could literally be plotting against you reminds me of that story you were talking about a few episodes back about um her having to stand in the way of her son because he was young and she didn't want to necessarily cede power when she was grabbing all of that landmass in china yes crazy to me though is like you would almost think if they weren't happy being like royal i guess wouldn't you just cut them out right. not necessarily have to straight up kill them that's a lot you want to protect your line wouldn't you 
Especially with lines of succession back then, it's mostly passed on to the males. So I don't understand how she would see as her daughter as a threat when, like, they had other, she had other siblings. But then you said that her brother died kind of questionably? Yes. So, like, who's in line for your throne? You just eliminated your own bloodline. <laughs> it's, it's one thing when you eliminate your own bloodline. Usually that tends to fall, at least in stories, it's like an uncle who got his way blocked because his brother or sister happened to give birth to a son and now he, his weight for the throne gets pushed back. So he would be the one conceivably to poison that heir so he can take power for the most part. Exactly. But um, just like Britain, their line of succession had the same threats. It's almost like somebody always was getting poisoned or dying under mysterious circumstances just so they can claim power. That's literally the whole plot of Hamlet. Spoilers, if you haven't read Hamlet. <laughs> but I feel like spoiler alerts shouldn't be warranted after a couple of hundred years. Shakespeare, so. <laughs> like, do you need a spoiler? I don't know. People can, you know, like, they might not legitimately know simply because either they didn't pay attention in school, didn't find it to be their bag, or, you know, just couldn't get into the language of the bard. At the same time, though, spoilers for Lion King, since Lion King and Hamlet have a very <laughs> similar kind of plot set up. Facts. But I feel like this is such a good, like, it's like a juicy story that needs, like, more info to it in my case. Because, like, when I looked it up, there wasn't much in it. But, like, still, oh, yeah. your own mother? Just yeah. because you were talking shit about how, how you would live in the high life. Like, whew. Like, how, like, super paranoid do you have to be? Like, oh, she's talking shit about it, which means she's going to usurp me. Like, oof. Really? Yeah, it's. I would just say it's not surprising that there is very little information because it's like a royal conspiracy, which you know they're going to hush that shit up. Super fact. <laughs> but that also makes it more intriguing. But at the same time, like, it was it a complaint that she was living a high life, as in, like, let's say everyone, like, all their people were living in poverty? Was it something like that? See, that like, was, well, yeah, and that that's not really known. It's just said that she was talking shit about how she was living her life and how, like, she was living the high life. Because I can see that being a more legitimate threat if it seemed like she was maybe going to try to influence change or, like, the people would come to like her better because she was, like, more down to earth. But if she was just... actually admitted to it. Yeah, and if she was just complaining, like, as a nonchalant complaint, like, just saying shit... That seems really kind of weird to, you know, kill her for. Right. But remember, there were also, like, what, a whole, like, basketball, baseball team full of fucking advisors that would be oh, like, yeah. hmm, maybe she's really meant this, and maybe she really meant that. Just the devil's whispering in her ear, you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that's happened, too. Whenever you hear stories like this, or even, like, fiction definitely plays it up, but I'm sure it's based in reality, that you always have all these people who don't actually have anything to do with the throne, but they want to influence it. So they're talking all this shit and getting people killed. Everybody wants to be that trusted advisor. Hey, the information you gave, the advice you said, it worked. Maybe I should, you know, move you up the ranks a little. That's led to downfalls too, because right. like that person- So they only, ended up learning later. Because that person's only protecting their own interests, not the interests of this whole ass kingdom, let alone the royals themselves. Right, and the closer you get to a crown, the more the more dangerous it is. Even I those mean, advisors would sit there and be like, "Oh, you didn't advise me right off of his head." <laughs> there yeah. were there were court people who were just there to entertain, and if they didn't do it right, they were killed. Granted, you're sitting there getting better everything else in life, you get a better higher status and more cash money ducats, but it's still hella fucking dangerous the closer you get to the crown, and then you have to sit there and accommodate to what they're doing. And let's be real, whenever it comes to the crown, there's layers of privilege that uh, this normal people just don't want to fucking deal with. Yeah. 
I mean, that shit is literally what happened to, like, the SARS of Russia in Russia. That shit got them killed, literally. Right. Massacred. For real. Their whole bloodline, gone. Right, your bloodline just got erased from the planet. Mm, I can't. Now, single feet and a few pairs have washed up on the shores of Washington and British Columbia. Since 2007, 11 of them, with some still in the shoes, have appeared on the coastline. Feet. I'm sure you guys have heard of this one. Is that the ones a, like a some lady, of them appeared in sneakers and shit too? Yes. A lady picked up a shoe and found a man's foot inside. A shoe distributed in India mostly as it was later found out. But when another, also a man's, washed up six days later, the press noticed. Hmm. Sounds ridiculous when you put it into this following perspective. Though there have been ones that were discovered in February, November, and December, the most have been discovered in the month of August. Seems to be a summer thing. Now, it could be tidal patterns, of course, and summer would have the most beachgoers that would be likely able to find these pieces of evidence. But it still sounds funny. It's almost like you're expecting a, a flock of animals to only start to nest in one part of the season. You know what I mean? Right. But it's just feet. Right, that's, the, that's some crazy and... shit. Like, all right, guys, let's go search in the beach. The feet are in season. <laughs> Now, most feet are single, though four of them were shown to belong to two people, making the total of nine people's remains found. Now, three have been identified and listed as causes that were natural in terms of their demise. Some were local and thought to be suicidal during their lives. Now, a blog to IDing the rest of the remains is the effect of environment on body tissue. A waxy substance, a adipocere, is found in soap that tends to build on bodies exposed to bacteria. Besides those ID'd via DNA, the others can only be guessed at. Many currents end up along those coastlines, and with the different levels of adipocere on their feet, they could have come from any depth and been in the water for years, even decades, before even washing ashore. So the mystery still remains. I mean, it would be hard to determine exactly, but was there a common ethnicity thought? To be to be mostly white. Because I was gonna say it like an Indian shoe, or at least a mainly manufactured shoe in India. Mm-hmm. But like, did we see skin tones that might suggest that they were actually Indian themselves? As far as the reports I've seen, they've only seemed to be just those of Caucasian people. Now, the only differentiation there was would be the size of the feet, because a lot of them were roughly around size eight, which was common for a lot of younger men and women to wear. So unless you saw nail polish on said feet, it was usually determined to be either from a youth or somewhere around a young age or possibly feminine. Because I was going to say, that was going to be my next question. Rather, like, was it mostly men? Because I know you mentioned at least a couple of men. Yeah, it seems to be mostly men. How can you tell natural causes from an ankle? Yeah. So I just well, wanted to ask that because that is insane. It's just one foot and it's not even complete pairs of feet. So that means the other foot is floating around somewhere else, still not in season, I guess, yet. Now, I remember hearing this in the news off and on through the years, subsequently at least three years worth of hearing about the, these feet just washing up on the shore. And I was like, what? it's like, there's another one? Because <laughs> it, it just seems odd, you know? And I think the last one that was that I heard of was back in 2011. Now, there may have been some since then. I didn't look too far into it, but there hasn't been any definitive answers outside of what I've just said. So really, it's a matter of how can it be feet? Now, even if it was a suicidal thing, where's the rest of the body parts? Granted, it could be, you know, eaten by ocean life. It could have been lost in other currents, but it seems like nobody else has 
at least anywhere, according to the police, mention seeing any other body parts that were not of foul play washing up on other shorelines. I was going to say, too, like, I feel like if we have this very notable thing, because, of course, I've heard of the random feet showing up, for it to be that well-known, because it's so bizarre-sounding, there has to be, like, at least in local authorities' minds, like, okay, if this could be, like, if whatever bodies they find going forward, if it's missing one foot, you're not going to immediately, like, compare, contrast the DNA, see if it matches, see if it could be belonging to the missing feet. I feel like we would have heard something like that, or that would have been obvious, at least in my mind, for authorities to check. I think it's such a bizarre thing that they're, like, only finding feet without full bodies. Like, where's the rest of the bodies? Are they just, somebody just digging up graves, topping off a foot and then tossing it into the water where they don't find the foot that they're looking for? And that's what I'm thinking is that they were able to pair at least a couple of the feet together belonging to the same person. And if you think about how wild that is, that one foot was found and a huge amount of time passed before the other one decided to wash up. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we forgot to give you this other set. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, to make it seem like it's more deliberate because if it was like a suicide, that body's going to turn up somewhere. It has to. And it seems too weird or too unlikely in my mind that whatever current is bringing these feet isn't bringing anything else. It seems too specific that only feet are come, are turning up in this specific area and nothing else. By right. the same area, you know, the same current that flows in yeah, the same area. Yeah, because if we're going to believe that if it was a suicide or some such, that the rest of the body could be lost to like natural deterioration or wildlife, that doesn't make sense why the feet alone would be exempt from this. Right. And if police procedure is anything like how it's shown in shows, they usually tend to put out bulletins like, hey, in our jurisdiction, we found feet. And we're trying to look at our colleagues in other departments to help us with the identification of these body parts. Let us know if you find any other ones in your jurisdiction and such. And there have been no reports suggesting that any of those have ever come to fruition with this particular area of Washington and British Columbia or to go like, with these feet. No footless bodies, right? Yeah. There's no mention of anything that seemed like it would be a nice puzzle piece to go with what they found to paint a broader picture. It just seems <laughs> to be like feet. They're just showing up and no other body parts. And there's no other, I mean, it would probably be lost because it's in water, but no other environmental factors to help narrow down where these people could be from. There were some speculations one of them were the tsunami in Japan in 2004 may have washed some bodies elsewhere because there were some that wouldn't be found for years um, or even months after it. However, the shoes that they were wearing were not manufactured past that date. So that was kind of ruled out as a possibility. And then I believe there was one that I couldn't really make sense of in terms of talking about it was a time where bloated sneakers were being made. And I was like, well, what does bloated sneakers have to do with feet being found in yeah. a pair of bloated sneakers? I didn't understand that at all. So I felt like feet. it felt like it didn't make any sense for me to mention. My next one is Rupkund. It is a high altitude glacial lake in the Uttarakhand state of India. It lies in the lap of Trishul Mastif, located in the Himalayas. The area around the lake is uninhabited and is roughly at the altitude of 5,020 meters. It's surrounded by rock-strewn glaciers and snow-clad mountains. The size of the lake 
very substantially, but it's seldom more than 40 meters in diameter. With a depth of about three meters, Rupkund is widely known for the hundreds of ancient human skeletons found at the edge of the lake. The human skeletal remains are visible at its bottom only when the snow melts, which is approximately one month out of the year. Initial investigations led some to believe that they were the remains of a semi-legendary event when a single group was killed in the sudden and violent hailstorm in the 9th century. But scientific research has subsequently shown that the remains belong to three distinct groups who died in two independent events around 800 CE and 1800 CE, respectively. Because of the human remains, the lake has been called Skeleton Lake in recent times. Skeletons were rediscovered in 1942 by a forest ranger of the Nandi Devi National Park. At first, British authorities feared that the skeletons represented casualties of a hidden Japanese invasion force, but it was found that the skeletons were far too old to be Japanese soldiers. The skeletons are visible in the clear water of the shallow lake during that one month when the ice melts. Along with skeletons, wooden artifacts, iron spearheads and leather slippers, and rings were also found. When a team of, from National Geographic retrieved about 30 skeletons in 2003, flesh was still attached to some of them. Local legend says the king of Kanauj, Raja Jajhaval, and his pregnant wife, Rani Balampa, their servants and a dance troupe and others sent on a pilgrimage to Nandi Devi Shrine and the group faced a storm with large hailstones from which the entire party perished near Ropkan Lake. Remnants found to belong to more than 300 people, 300 people have been found. The Anthropological Survey of India conducted a study of the skeletons during the 1950s and some samples are displayed at the Anthropological Survey of India Museum in Dahradun. The studies of the skeletons reveal head injuries. The common cause of death for these injuries were caused by round objects from above. Those researchers concluded that the victims had been caught in a sudden hailstorm just as described in local legends and songs. Radiocarbon dating of the bones at Oxford University's radiocarbon accelerator unit determined the time of death to be 850 CE plus or minus 30 years. More recently, radiocarbon dating, combined with genome-wide analysis of 38 individuals from the Rupkun Lake, found that the remains are from different eras and belong to three distinct groups. A group of 23 individuals dated 800 CE had typical South Asian ancestry. One individual dated 1800 CE had Southeast Asian ancestry, and 14 individuals dated 1800 CE had ancestry typical of the Eastern Mediterranean and specifically of present-day people from mainland Greece and Crete. Those findings countered the theory that the individuals died in a single catastrophic event. The radiocarbon dating further suggests that the older South Asian remains were deposited over an extended period of time, while the younger Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, and Southeast Asian remains were deposited during one single event. 300 bodies, y'all. 300 bodies on one lake! It's fucking crazy to think about for me. I'd say that bodies of water are just eerie and hold so many secrets, because if you think about it, we're talking about massive bodies of water that can hold whole ass shipwrecks that were huge and nobody would know anything about it so 300 bodies by comparison of the water holding the titanic for example wouldn't be as surprising when you're thinking about it but i've always pictured like possibly swimming over a shipwreck that you didn't know was there would be creepy but definitely with 300 bodies in a same body of water that you would be frequenting maybe even fishing from that would be eerie i always think of it as like the the angler fish syndrome 
when you think of an angler fish think like a hand-sized fish which is big ass teeth and little fucking thing hanging off of the head with a light bulb and that's it you think it's fist size or like if your hand was curved into a big old c maybe that'd be how big it is but no a grown fucking human person could fit inside of the mouth of one of those and it's a fucked thing to think about because you just see the fish on tv or whoever you get your images and it's just a smaller perspective but it's fucking huge they live at such a depth that we outside of them dying and beaching themselves if they happen to float to the surface we have very little idea of how big these what look like normal sized fish could be how big they can get but we've seen some that washed on shore of other types like if a fucking marlin can be like a football field wide and thick because it eats well it shouldn't be surprising but it always is astounding to see when you actually see it in person I mean, going to the aquarium freaks me the fuck out because you think you're going to see nice little fishies, but then you see these normal ass fish that can be fucking huge, and that's intimidating as fuck. I don't be in so, the water or something like that. You see how dark the environment is for, like, for example, the spider crabs you would see there. Mm-hmm. Just, really pitch dark when you see them there. Just super long legged and just like super creepy looking. Even like the mega squid or whatever it is. The, the what is it called? Colossal squid. The word itself, you have to say that word to make sure that you understand how big this is. Like the colossal squid could literally take down a fucking giant pirate ship boat. Like that's what took them down on occasion if they ever got to high up in the surface because for the most part, those motherfuckers like to sit at the bottom. They gave them the biggest name there could be. Kraken. <laughs> for yeah. And that's the thing too because like when you think of just how expansive the ocean is, most of the time, like, when we think of fish, we think of them confined to small spaces. But given the room to grow endlessly, they really, really can. But, but yeah, yeah. 300 yeah. fucking bodies in a lake. What I wanted to ask is it sounds like, like you said at the start, like two different groups. Mm-hmm. One being deposited in one go from the hailstorm, I presume, and then other bodies being deposited slowly over time. There was a temple in that area, so it was considered a Mecca-type pilgrimage for some of those people. So at least for one group, it was a Mecca pilgrimage. The others, we don't know, because all we found was whatever they left behind and whatever skin bits would be attached to the bones and stuff like that. But for at least a group of those people, there was a temple there. So maybe those people were taking pilgrimages as well. Because it seems odd for them to... For a slow accumulation of bodies to appear here. Like, I understand the hailstorm group. They were in one, they're one large group in a bad weather scenario and took them all at once. But for there to be a kind of slow, continuous flow for the other group, it seems weird. Like, what did this area look like before where people, whatever their pilgrimage was, they died at this spot and not before? Right. And most of them, they contributed the deaths to like inclement weather issues because, again, it's surrounded by just rocks and frozen mountaintops. And that's what I was going to say, too. When you're talking about flesh still being on there, it's frozen for most of the year, right? Right. That's going to preserve. It's literally around one month where the water is thin enough to break through the ice or warm enough for it to melt the top. And that's during the time that they sit there and go in and try to look at stuff. That was taken from there, like the bodies and bones and start doing, um, you know, the research and stuff like that. But like only one month out of the year, that's how cold it is there year round. 
And just how big is this supposed to be? About 40 meters in diameter total. So 1,000 to 1,500 square meters. Because it seems really interesting, again, like, to think how big this lake must be to hold 300 bodies. And for whatever land it covered beforehand, because even if, like, you're traveling and the inclement weather gets to you, you're probably just going to drop where you're standing, not fall in a lake. So yes. it makes you wonder what was there before the lake. Right. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> like, did their people just die on the way and they just dumped it into the lake? <laughs> dumped the people that were in the lake and then whoever survived got back without them? Because if there was supposed to be a temple there too, maybe is that, if the lake was there that long, was it part of like a belief thing? Like people do burials at sea. I don't know if something like that could be a thing. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. In 1996, Megumi Yoshiki and Norami Tokumi were going to take a trip to a haunted hotel in Uozu City, Japan. The 19-year-olds traveled in Megumi's car and they messaged via pager that they had arrived in the city. The next two days would go by with no word and they were reported missing by their families. Nearly 25 years would pass before their remains were found in her car 26 feet below the sea surface near Kayomaru Park. Police discovered it in 2020, after three witnesses came forward in 2014, stating that they had saw a car with two women drop from a parking lot into the sea by said park at midnight of a major holiday back in that year of 1996. While they were questioned, they all stated that they were afraid to come forward with the information, but didn't say why. So their case still remains unsolved. Yeah, that's a hell of a turn. They just go out and then 25 years later, their bodies are at the bottom of an ocean. Still sitting in the car. But yet, three witnesses that saw it back then, the night they disappeared, the night that they went in, said nothing for 25 years. But wait, the garbage doesn't drop from out of nowhere. It's not like the park right. picked itself up, decided to tip it like a fucking dustbin into the trash. What the fuck? <laughs> And they found the car based on their information? Yes. Because I was going to say, like, is it just random people saying shit for the sake of saying shit? But well, if they found it because of that, that leads credence. Even though they came forward in 2014, why, it, it, you know, the police discovered it in 2020. I mean, 26 feet of water, if it went straight down like a paperweight, it shouldn't be that hard to find if it went off the parking lot, as they said. Unless... There were a lot of, and presumably construction change and everything, but the fact of the matter is the area by that park where they said they saw it drop should have virtually remained the same, at least in the water. And I assume 25 years is a long time, so there's probably no good way to determine cause of death. No. Like, are the bodies at least, were they able to tell any kind of trauma, like regular trauma to the bodies? It seemed like they didn't have any trauma that was visible, but again water does crazy shit to bodies but it's crazy like it's, it's hard for me to believe the two friends were sitting in a car and they were just like you know i'm sick of living how about you yeah you know what me too let's just roll that beautiful bean footage right over this ledge here yeah now it is japan and obviously the suicide rate is prevalent there but there was nothing to suggest that these two were of that mindset right let alone also another possibility Maybe far-fetched Yakuza? Maybe. Because that because oh, suicide is definitely a solitary project. You don't take people with you and be like, hey, watch me die. Or would Not you like to die with me? Not without Kool-Aid. <laughs> Wait, it's flavoring. But there's also the possibility that, hey, they were going to a purported haunted hotel. And is it out of the realm of possibility that someone of that Japanese mafia link could have been at a hotel? You know what I mean? 
I mean, or, we could go paranormal with this shit and be like a yeah, ghost followed yeah. them, like, and was just like, yo, you come to my house, I'm gonna fuck your shit up. I feel like there's this whole, like, speak it into being type thing. So if your entire culture has yokai, ghosts, spirits, stuff like that, and you have an entire forest full of wandering lost spirits of people who have off themselves and people can feel Right! People can feel that shit when you're at the base of that fucking mountain. And you just set yourself up and go to a haunted place just with the two of you. Like, hey, let's go. And then you come back with something. I don't think it'd be that far-fetched out of the realm for that. Because I was going to say, a Japanese ghost or something else. Facts. But yeah, it's just so weird to say like, oh, we're going out and then you're still in your car at the bottom of the ocean when you're found 25 years later. No text, no nothing. And again, I know 25 years is going to do a lot, especially a body in water that's going to deteriorate. You're going to bloat. You're going to be gross looking. Yeah, your person soup in a skin. Yeah, it seems so weird because... Just the sentence portrays in my mind the image of like no resistance. Like you just went to the bottom of the ocean in your car, still in your seat. That sounds so strange. No words about seeing them having sped off of that edge. Nothing. Just they saw the car drop. From how far? And they were afraid to talk about it. For 25 years. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like there's no reports of them like speeding off of it, grounding off of it. No type of nope. grinding of tires right before you fucking go off because you, you just drop off a ledge that means you were sitting in neutral and somebody must have pushed your car or you just put it in neutral and held each other's hands and Vel- Velma and Louise that shit and it took police six years from being told in 2014 to find them in 2020 that's some shit and do we know how far away they were from to see it happen no they didn't give that much information this was gonna say like if you're a certain distance away, would you be able to hear distress like any kind of anything? It seems so. And it's odd. We're talking about three eyewitnesses, not just one, but three. Damn. Yeah. And they all shut the fuck up for. They were afraid years. to come forward, but they all wouldn't say why. Now yeah. there wasn't any confirmation of whether these three eyewitnesses knew each other or anything, but they all seemed to have acted the exact same way: hesitancy to say anything when it occurred, the wait, and then not explaining why they were afraid it's definitely ghost yakuza or they were trying to respect the girls for killing themselves and it wasn't their fucking place to say anything but like it's got to be one of those three for me because if it was yakuza i'm not fucking around and saying shit so they just get stitches and i'm not trying to go missing if it's a ghost i'm not fucking around with ghosts and i'm not bringing that bad juju home with me it just seems weird like granted I don't know if they walked in on some criminal activity, but it seems weird that Yakuza would kill these two random chicks when presumably they probably could have like scared them into silence. Because I mean, three chicks for however many years didn't say shit about shit, and they weren't even the ones there. But now if you're seen as disposable, they wouldn't give a damn. Now it could be possible that, let's say, that if a party was involved, Yakuza or otherwise, they could have drugged the girls to be unconscious, having them in their car, and then just kind of dead waiting on the gas to right. make the car go over. So it would make it seem like a slow acceleration and then just drop because the ledge would be right there. Every time I'm picturing this, it just seems so eerily uneventful. There is no conflict. There is no, like, struggle. It's just literally a car just going off the edge like your kid pushing a toy. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking that, like, I'm going more along with what Spade was saying, getting them drugged up. And you don't even have to hit the gas. Literally set it on neutral, give it a little push, wipe your hands of the fucking situation, and get the fuck out. And, of course, if there were any fingerprints, it was already done away with on the surface of the car inside the interior for 25 years anyway. Mm. 
All right, y'all. Next is Am I the Asshole? And you guys can choose girlfriend, brother, or niece. Niece. Am I the asshole for not wanting to let my niece hold my baby? I, 26, have recently had a baby boy, Jack. I have a sister, 28, who has seven children, one of which being my niece at six years old. I live in London. My sister recently came to stay, and my sister brought the eldest daughter, 12, and she was great with Jack, but the six-year-old was being really difficult. She would fight everyone for the baby, kick off if she didn't have the baby, kick the pram, which is the carriage, with the baby in it if she couldn't push the pram near, near roads and sidewalks and such, take the baby out of, his, out of his rocker when told not to, and just be difficult in general. My sister wouldn't do anything but say she was tired and shout at the eldest for nothing. My poor 12-year-old niece started crying at one point because of the amount of aggression her mom was using toward her. And whilst crying, her mom shouted her some more and I couldn't do anything. Back at the house, my six-year-old niece would kick and scream and cry. And this behavior would be dismissed, but the eldest is being punished and being put through the wars for nothing. At the house, Jack was finally sleeping. After I was sleep-deprived all night, my six-year-old niece tried to get Jack out of the pram. I told her not to, and two minutes later, I find her trying to do it again. I told her not to, and she waited until I wasn't looking and would try to take him out again. I ended up shouting at her, telling her she can't pick him up, and my sister came in and shouted at me. She's left early for this reason, and on the way out, I heard my sister blaming the older one for having to have to leave. I have the family messaging me, telling me that my niece is only six and curious, and I'm wondering, am I the asshole? I don't care how old they are. They don't listen, curious or not. And especially if their immediate reaction when they don't get their way is to kick with a newborn baby. Absolutely not. I don't give a fuck. Facts. There's no fucking way. You it's my house. I have rules. I don't give a fuck. You rein your kids in. And what you don't do is add that generational trauma shit to your 12-year-old and act like your 12-year-old is in charge of your fucking child it's as if it's your 12-year-old's child. I hated that shit when I was fucking younger and I was forced to be in charge of my brother and sister. I would get in trouble if they didn't clean how they were supposed to. That shit didn't make sense in my fucking brain. And the fact that she's already doing it to her eldest daughter and then not correcting her six-year-old, knowing that her six-year-old is not going to respect her 12-year-old sister. Like, there's a reason me and my brother sat there and had full-on fist fights when we were kids because he didn't respect my authority as the person in charge when my mother wasn't there. And that's what's exactly happening here. And the fact her yelling at the six-year-old is the nicest thing she could have fucking done. I would have yoked that little kid up. I don't hit little kids. Grab a firm kid by the wrist and be like, listen, don't be swinging, don't be kicking, don't be doing none of that shit in my house. Especially kicking the carriage with the baby in it. Are you insane? No, that would have had me seeing red. And I would have grabbed her little ass legs and hang her upside down and said, listen, you kick my fucking pram one more time. It's me and you, little girl. It is okay, parents, for you to whoop your kid's ass from once in a while. Facts. That's how they learn effect. Stop being bitches. Stop worrying about being called on by neighbors or police, whatever. There's nothing wrong with disciplining your child. As long as you don't go overboard, but just enough for them to get the message. It is okay. And I will say too, like I've been in households, especially if there are a fair amount of kids too that belong to said parent, where I definitely see that exact same thing happening too, where it's the oldest child being blamed for a lot of shit when you should be taking up your issue with the child who's misbehaving because that also teaches them at a very young age that they can divert blame and get away with stuff they can act up and someone else will get in trouble right if i had two kids and i needed one to go wrangle up the other one at the park because i'm an old motherfucker i'm not chasing it. no little kids nowhere i'm gonna expect your young stamina filled ass to go get them and bring them to me for the discipline because i can't chase a little kid so no I, that would be the instance that would be like yo go grab your brother real quick or go grab your sister that would be it 
but the disciplining and the rearing of the child would be on me it have to be on me that's the fucking point as a parent it's my job it's not my child's job yeah like an older sibling can be expected to do certain things but not be the parent to the other one and be the one who's supposed to be correcting all the behaviors all the damn time like i know she has seven kids that's a lot of fucking kids but at the same time that doesn't mean you get to stop being a parent but with that many kids, at some point, you can tell that person's just checked out of parenting and expects the, the subsequent children to just make sure they stay in line. And that's not that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're, you don't defer child care to other children. Right. Yeah. You're sitting there. You don't sit there and punish the right kids for the situation. That shit don't make no sense. What she should have done was check her six-year-old, apologize to the 12-year-old, and be like, yo, I'm sorry for yelling at you, blah, blah, blah. I certainly didn't mean it. You got to have communication with your kids. If you don't, they grow to resent you. And that's not the fucking person you want to be for your kids because then they go no communication. You're wondering why you can't talk to your grandkids or why your kids don't want to talk to you no more. None of that shit. Not to mention, like, at the same time, that's going to create problems within their sibling relationships. And being tired with that many kids is understandable. But again, like, you can't just stop altogether. That's irresponsible. And it's even more fucked up that she tried to have problems with her sister like the mother tried to have problems with her sister who is now a new parent because she yelled at your kid for endangering her new baby like you those are lines you don't cross you know and then while leaving the house sitting there blaming a 12 year old as if it's a 12 year old fucking responsibility to take care of your own kid it don't make no damn sense i hate that shit in this corner of the universe, Jason Momoa says he feels really fucking good after his James Gunn meeting. Says he will be dipping into other things, and it's going to be really good. He also confirmed that he shot Aquaman two scenes with a couple different Batmans. Mm, Jason Momoa's finger looking good. Anytime he said things are great, I just assume things are great. Mm, 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 mm. The first time he confirmed that he did shoot scenes with a couple of different Batmans. The only couple of Batmans there would be would be Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton. However, he did also mention that we have to wait to see, you know, what it ends up being. So it's confirmation <laughs> that Keaton did shoot scenes with him, Oof. but it doesn't confirm that they will still make it into the film. But at least he confirms that he filmed with a couple of different Batmans. It's and it would make flashpoint. Yeah, I was gonna say it would make sense for it to be flashpoint because at least in the animated film, she was a major factor in the way that world turned out. Like Aquaman was a major factor. Now the idea is the Flash releases in June, while Aquaman two releases on Christmas. So this would have been Keaton's technical third appearance in the DCEU, having filmed for Batgirl, then the Flash, and then Aquaman two. But going. But it, with Batgirl canceled. And Aquaman 2 having supposedly did some reshoots with Ben Affleck instead, does that mean that Michael Keaton would still be in it in some form or fashion? Or are we just going to see him one and done in The Flash in June? We'll have to wait and see. Oh, I want it. I want it willingly. And I want it to lead into Batman Beyond. They should make a petition for that. I'd be about it. Suicide Squad killed the Justice League's latest leak seems to have become just a bit more credible this past week as it seems that it will have a games-as-a-service structure similar to Crystal Dynamics's Marvel's Avengers game, along with a battle pass that is specifically supposed to be for cosmetic items, from what the report says. Who's making this? Rocksteady. So this is their first actual mainline game set within the Arkham universe since Arkham Knight being their last game that they did, where they are actually expanding upon other people existing in Batman's universe besides just Batman and his rogues gallery of villains. I mean, I like the way the Arkham games play, of course. 
but it seems slightly concerning that they may be adopting the Marvel Avengers approach because it did not serve that game well. Granted, their combat is better and it feels better and would be more probably more entertaining to continue in that kind of loop than the Marvel's game was. So let's hope that they paid attention to that. Yeah, I would hope so, because it would be really disappointing for it to turn out just like Marvel's Avengers when you have yet another group of comic characters that people would love to play as. Didn't Guardians of the Galaxy use like the same type of platform that the Avengers is doing, but like become leagues better online? Yeah, but it was a solo affair because it was only a one-player game. There was no multiplayer aspect mm. of it. And the story written for that being enclosed, it's kind of separated from the Marvel Universe, uh, Marvel's Avengers game, rather, seemed to work well for it critically. Yeah, it's still kind of lame that it was single-player when it's literally... A Guardians team. Yeah, it's right. literally about being a team. It's the same thing with Gotham Knights. It's like how you have four characters but only make it three players. Now, what adds credibility to that leak is that Warner Brothers had issued copyright strikes on tweets that had revealed the image. So chances are Rocksteady is trying to build the game as a service so that way they can kind of milking money off of the game for a period of time. Now, a graded water copy of Pokemon Yellow for Game Boy was destroyed by U.S. Customs. The 1999 Classics acrylic case was broken. The cover face of the box was sliced off the front. Apparently, they thought that maybe there was something about it that was suspicious. Now, for those of you who are not aware of what WADA is, WADA is a video game grading company that had made it into news cycles in recent months due to being accused of driving up prices for value of games during the past few years. But I don't know how much that game would have been with the graded sealed copy with the medallion and everything. But it got destroyed. That shit was massacred. That shit hurts my feelings, man. I hate any type of game abuse. And this is rough. Especially if it's something you've collected and you were like prizing. It's like, mm. I would cry and be like, oh my god, you guys are paying me something for this shit. But like, what did they think it was? Right! Like, what have you been checking for? What could they... What wouldn't show up on a scan that they oh. needed to that would require them to dissect it? Oh, the Game Boy Pad, they destroyed, oh my god, that shit hurts my feelings so much. Why, what's the point of ripping the box like that? It has a lip and everything, you could have just opened it nicely. Wait, like, just open it. That would have right. degraded the value of it too, after it had been It would have been, it would have been better than what you, what they did to it, yeah. Oh my god, this, this absolutely hurts my feelings, this is a travesty, how the fuck you do this? Just the packaging itself, I'm not an avid collector, but I know how it is to, like, you have to have shit pristine. He could have held that onto that for another 10 years and the shit would have been banking money because it would have been in such fucking pristine condition. Ah, I'd be so mad. Wasn't there a Paul who like made a game or a table out of like Game Boys or some shit? Yeah, that, that he, he bought. And basically now made them unusable because he covered them in fucking resin. Ugh. Just so he could have a unique table. Some people have no respect. You could have replicas of that exactly. made you and have it. The original just have, for that. Right. Just have the replicas covered it and then just prove that you have yours. Keep them shits pristine and just do the... Bre I just... I so This shit some people like do just because... That can't be used at all because you want to make a fucking table. And it's out of the hands of people who would have appreciated having them. Oh my god. It's just, just because you have the money to doesn't mean you should. 
It's like celebrities especially have no fucking... Nobody's there to tell them no enough because that's the same shit that happened with Kim Kardashian messing up Marilyn Monroe's dress. Oh my god, that shit is a fucking travesty. You know your ass is bigger than hers. She was a whole like two or three sizes smaller than you were. She even came there with a replica dress. She changed into replica later. All you had to do was wear the replica the whole time. Take the picture with the original dress. Do not put it on. She fucked it up. Oh Don't mess God. with yes. irreplaceable items just because you want to look cool or trendy. Or to be able to say that you were able to put it on. Like, especially when you built your body a certain way. It's not like that was your natural body type. You built your body that way. Literally, like a fucking <laughs> Lego set. Yeah, and now you want to put on a dress that was for someone else's body type? This bitch mispotatoed herself and then fucking decides to try to fit her Miss Potato ass body into something that doesn't have a Miss Potato head body ass. I just can't. I just can't. And the privilege of these motherfuckers just because they think they have the money to do this. It just doesn't fucking make sense to me. I hate it. The privileged bullshit that these people do. And it drives me bonkers because regular people like me, or like us, would sit there and do different shit with our fucking money if we had money like that. You know what I'm saying? We would take an entire room of the brand new fucking mansion we just purchased and turn it into a super nerd room of our own design. What we wouldn't do is take fucking historical artifacts, be it celebrity or otherwise, and then fuck it up. Makes no fucking sense to me whatsoever. The Boogeyman based on Stephen King's 1978 Night Shift anthology short story Ooh. was being made for Hulu is now going to hit theaters instead on June 2nd. Outside of superhero movies, the horror genre is the only other film genre that draws crowds into theaters after the pandemic. Now, Boogeyman is based on a rather grim story, and the movie version, according to the studio, will center on a 16-year-old and her younger sister, both still reeling from the death of their mother, who are targeted by a supernatural entity after their father, a psychologist, has an encounter with a desperate patient in their house. Now, a dream reboot of Friday the 13th is being developed into a film, though the legal hurdles still exist. The producer claims that there is a plan in place if a deal cannot be reached. Now, the short story of the legal issues that the franchise has had in the past few years is that the original screenwriter of the first film, Victor Miller, was awarded the rights to the first movie script after a lengthy copyright termination case. And as a result, he is allowed to develop projects based on and rooted in that one script. But considering the different routes that the franchise took after his involvement, such as Jason being a giant killing machine, the hockey mask itself going to space and such, it's unclear from a public perspective who owns what between Victor Miller and Sean S. Cunningham. Hmm. That kind of like legal tape is so strange. Like he could own specifically that version of him within that script, but not in any other variation. And it's so weird. IP law is always fucking weird because then there's always just different levels to types of possession like with the Sherlock Holmes things. They're allowed to do certain Sherlock Holmes but not when he's emotional or some shit like that, right? Yeah. I think that shit is just fucking bonkers the way you just can certain aspects of a character you can fucking use but it'll be against the law if you use it with an attitude. Like if you if you use Jason with a wig you're not allowed to do it but you could use Jason without a wig. Like it's the this, this specifics and the minutiae of it. Just, I hate the, the micromanaging of it. It's just, dude, can I use it or can I? Like, I just... And it feels worse, like, if you're an author or something and just you lose 
aspects of your own property because of the way it's adapted if it becomes a movie or a game because i think witcher had some issues with that like the guy who wrote the story that it's based on right yeah lastly the last of us fans feel they found who neil Druckmann may have an eye on to be abby in season two he started following actress shannon berry on instagram who shares a resemblance of sorts with the divisive character they better fucking change that ending not yeah, for nothing i don't need an adaptation <laughs> unless we're gonna actually do it right I don't want a revenge story where revenge is never gotten. That's a waste of my fucking time. They better Game of Thrones this shit and give it a different ending. <laughs> I want to see that bitch drown. I want her to hold her head under that water until the bubbles stop. And just saying, you know, spoilers again. I know we already fucking said it, but spoilers again. What a waste of my time to have me play a whole ass game, make me play as this bitch. I started, well, I started the game to play that game, but once you kicked it off the way you did, I always continued playing that game for the chance to kill the bitch. You wasted my fucking time. You get invested to wanting to kill this bitch. Like, oh, like I'm here for this revenge streak and let's go. And then just to take it away from you at the end. I knew you were mad. I know you were mad. Yeah. I would like to say, to point out to whoever may be listening, in the off chance that Neil Druckmann hears this, I know you felt like you were trying to tell some high and mighty story about how revenge doesn't, you know, solve anything. It doesn't make anything better. It doesn't bring back what you lost. Well, guess what? It would make me feel a lot fucking better. And I bet you, if you gave people the option, rather than not giving us a chance to do it at all, rather than deciding for us that we're going to be the bigger person, give us the option. And then you could use those stats, collect those stats to see how many people made the choice to actually kill her rather than spare her. And then you could try to make some, like, you know, super... Ethical. Yeah, ethical statement, moral statement about our choices. Put it in our face, make us contemplate, reflect on the choices we made. I'll tell you right now, I'd still be fine with my fucking choice. I wouldn't regret it. I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't even play again to let her live, to even see how that story plays out. I don't need to. I need her dead. And let's be 100. The playing a video game is meant to be cathartic in some level. There always has to be like a finish, a proper ending. And when you do that, it's like getting close to a nut and not getting off. And that would absolutely drive me bonkers. It would absolutely piss me off. Like, how do you get me to this point where I want this revenge on a level for a whole other person and get me invested into this story and then not get me to finish off? And I hate that. I need, I'm like, I'm, I'm one of those people that need to have like endings. I need to have closure. And that cathartic murdering at the end of, end of it would have been enough. That That's the fucking point of some of these games is to, to let off steam and frustration. But when you set us up like that and then just don't let us knock it down, it's just, ah, it would frustrate me too. And also it seems completely pointless to say like, if the moral of your story is that revenge is pointless, it doesn't solve anything, then why the fuck were we able to kill everyone else leading up to her but not her? That's not a moral story. You didn't learn anything. You still took lives. You still have blood on your hands. You're not better. You also took away our ability to kill some of the key members who are present in that room through cutscenes. Which means we have no control over any kind of revenge for Joel whatsoever. Which makes that whole game pointless in my fucking eyes. I don't need that game. <laughs> now, that wraps it up for this week's episode. Tune in next time as we discuss more topics. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. If you like the show, please follow us on your preferred platform. You can leave us questions and comments, or shoot us an email 
at phantomsculturemurder at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Feline. Spade. I'm Al. Peace out. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. Appreciate y'all.